0: This episode is brought to you in part by Akunu. Akunu for Sales is the first buyer-aware platform for account-based selling on Salesforce. Akunu integrates your sales process with buyer behavior to verify buyer-seller alignment and increase confidence in the status of your deals. It eliminates time-consuming data entry for sales reps and makes your sales pipeline and deal review meetings data-driven and much more efficient, giving your sales reps and their managers the time and insights needed to win more deals. So do you know how your deal review process stacks up against other B2B sales organizations? Visit akunu.com forward slash accelerate to access Akunu's benchmark report revealing the deal review habits of B2B sales managers and tips for managing deal reviews. See how you stack up and create your action plan for a better deal management. Get your report at akunu.com forward slash accelerate. That's A-K-O-O-N-U dot com forward slash accelerate. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you in part by Discover.org. Looking to close four times as many deals in half the time? Discover.org's industry-leading, human-verified sales intelligence gives you all of the data and insights, like direct dials, org charts, planned projects, verified emails, and executive moves. You need to stop wasting time on research and spend more time talking to the right decision-maker with the right message at the right time. Their team of 250-plus sales researchers do all the work so that you don't have to. 2,500 companies are already using Discover.org to win more deals. So, check them out at www.discoverorg.com. That's (laughs) www.discoverorg.com. It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 609 of Accelerate the Sales Podcast of Record. Joining me on the show today is my guest Rowan Tonkin. Rowan is head of sales and marketing solutions at Anaplan. And in today's episode, Rowan and I are going to talk about sales compensation. You know, there's a lot of research that comes out saying that overall sales performance or productivity is, is actually dropping in the business to business space that you know, the percentage of sales reps making quota year over year is dropping. And I understand there are a lot of variables associated with that. But uh, one of the things we're gonna take a look at, or a couple of things we're gonna take a look at, is these questions is you know, does it still make sense to pay commissions in today's sales environment? And are incentive plans really effective in motivating the type of individual sales performance, sales productivity, and team performance that companies are looking for? So, we're going to get into that, and as well, Roland's going to share with us his three keys to help sales organizations better align their incentive compensation, their variable compensation plans, to enhance overall sales effectiveness. Now, we're also going to talk a bit about sales forecasting, and look at this question, you know, is there really a cure for the, the always sort of inaccurate sales forecast? So, listen in. Uh, you're going to find this very interesting today. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, as always, go to andypaul.com. In this case, andypaul.com forward slash 609. Before I talk with Rowan, let me remind you that today's show is brought to you in part by Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales and marketing professionals. The feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by over 250 researchers who are continually updating the contact data and providing account-specific insights to help the sales marketing teams break ahead of the pack. So see the product live at discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. That's discoverorg forward slash schedule hyphen demo. And today's episode is also brought to you in part by friends at Akunu. Akunu for Sales uses a visual framework to help sales reps sell in complex accounts and help sales managers coach and manage their reps. So Akunu enables sales organizations to improve their sales performance by surfacing the information that drives better sales execution. And it keeps sales reps and sales managers focused on following your sales process and engaging with the right buyers at the right time. You can go to akunu, that's A K O O N com. All right, let's jump into it with Rowan Tonkin. Rowan, welcome to Accelerate.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, I open the show with a standard question I ask all my guests these days, and uh, the question now is: In your mind, what what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today?
1: Uh, facing sales reps, I yes. think uh, that the biggest challenge facing sales reps is. Uh, Getting the attention level of their prospects, so making sure that they can actually uh, even get the meeting, uh, get the attention, and and that I think is a holistic challenge for marketing, sales, uh, you know, inside sales organizations. But really, getting the attention of the of the prospect slash customer. Uh, we're all distracted by millions of things every day, and uh, finding that perfect moment where you're ready to buy something, and and uh, you know, a sales rep calls you uh i haven't had it happen to me yet um <laughs> and i don't think it's going to happen to me yet um so to to me it's just how how do you get that attention and uh and once you've overcome that's the biggest hurdle then it's about uh you know proceeding as you as you should
0: so, aren't we contributing to the problem, though? I mean, the way that we're using our automation and the sales technology and marketing technology, I mean, aren't we <laughs> aren't we making the problem worse to some degree? Because, you know, we've turned loose our SDRs to bombard people with, with you know, relatively or minimally personalized uh, barrages of email. Um, it's like, you know, we're <laughs> it's like we're creating the crap and then we're expecting sales reps to go wander through it.
1: <laughs> I uh, I do a hundred percent agree. I I don't have the magic silver bullet. Otherwise, I probably would have started that company. I'd be trying to uh, to avoid uh, doing <laughs> exactly what that is. But uh, I I don't know if there's a single uh, answer there. Uh, I think where all trying to uh, consolidate, whether that be sales technology, uh, whether that be marketing technology, to try and avoid that pitfall. But, you know, I think if if everyone looked in the mirror they'd realize that they're succumbing to that pitfall. Uh, and you do see some levels of innovation from some organizations and, and they are trying to disrupt in the way they do things. And, and you know, often they, they find that those I guess guerrilla tactics often can work, and that's because it's something different.
0: Yeah, sending a pizza to your prospects—right? I mean, everybody's coming up with innovative things or trying to come up with innovative things they can do to to break that. But because no one wants to be the first one to do less, right? I mean, that's that's, (laughs) right. I mean, everybody's playing this huge game of chicken. They're all looking at each other, and they all agree this isn't really working. Correct, But I'm I'm not going to stop doing it until I see you stop doing it. Because if I stop doing it and you keep sending 1,000 emails a day and I'm only sending 500, well, hey, I'm going to be hammered by my CEO and a board. Why are we only sending 500? So I need to keep sending 1,000.
1: It would be a very brave CMO and CRO to approve doing less. Uh, (laughs) uh, So... I I don't know what the answer is, but I think where everyone is contributing to it, you see the the Martech landscape that gets produced by chiefmartech.com, and you're seeing these sales tech landscapes come out, and all we're doing is creating more technology to solve the problem, and more technology means more communication to the customer, uh, and the customer is overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always get amused when you hear, you know, CEO of and founder of a sales tech company say, yeah, what we support is mass personalization at scale. It's like, all right, let's let's just unpack that statement right there. <laughs> Cause that is the problem, right? And now the the other one I've heard recently is, yeah, you know, empathy at scale. It's like it doesn't scale. It's something that happens on a one-on-one basis between two people.
1: Yeah and the the human to human you know we're not, we're not b to b we're not uh, b to c we're we're h to h uh, <laughs> I find that one interesting as well
0: Yeah so i mean i'm yeah i may have a little bit of a platform i can talk about these things and, and i know others are as well that, that are saying and and realize that hey you know this this is not sustainable and you know something's going to change and it's, it's sort of interesting about, okay, well, what's going to make it change? What's the forcing function that's going to happen that somebody in charge, one CRO or CMOs as you talked about, uh, summons the courage to say, yeah, this just isn't working. We're changing. I don't care what the rest of you guys do. We're changing.
1: It will be a very brave person and uh, they, they may light the way. Um, I, I think you're seeing some of this with uh, with you know the the no MQL philosophy that's coming out of some organisations where they're ungating all of their content and uh, just allowing the the customer or the consumer of that content to to consume at their own free will and then only asking them for their details you know periodically so you know more of a hand raised type approach. Sure. Um, I I. Hardly
0: revolutionary, I, but yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just back to advertising, right?
0: Well, yeah, it's awareness building. And mm-hmm. yeah, let's, let's differentiate ourselves on the quality of that. Well, it also plays into one of the topics we wanted to talk about, which was sales compensation. And actually, we haven't, we haven't really talked about it much on this show. And um, so let me start with a basic question about sales comp. Is is in this environment that we've sort of been just talking about? Yeah, what's the rationale for paying a commission in the first place?
1: Unfortunately, they work. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, define (laughs) define work.
1: So well, um, if you want to motivate your uh, high value sellers, um, incentivizing them through a commission. Uh, most frequently. To sell a certain set of products or to, to change the way they sell uh, is motivating um, and they will change their behavior. So the incentive plan does result in a behavior change. So making sure you get the incentive plan correct so that you drive the desired outcome is, is really important.
0: Sure. But, I mean, there's various ways to give people incentive compensation that's not based on a commission, right? I mean, it could be a bonus. It could be team bonuses. So it's more, you know, collective responsibility for achievement. And I've, you know, worked at companies and we've implemented these plans and seen different ways to approach it that have been effective. Um, And so I wonder why we're still sort of stuck on this idea of a commission because yeah, you know, uh, CSO Insights, you know, comes out with their annual report mm. about sort of the state of the sales industry. And and the figure that, that they promoted last week or the week before when the report came out, which everybody sort of focuses on, is you know, percentage of sales reps that achieved quota. And yeah, you know, that number has been in free fall. Well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say free fall, but it's been in a steady decline. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be in an airplane tracing that glide path. Um, and so so, okay, we've got declining performance in B2B sales based on one measure, you know, CSO Insights measure, which is again, take it for what it's worth. And and yet we're saying that they work. Well, clearly they don't work. Right? I mean, you could make that argument. Clearly commissions don't work. Or maybe they work for a segment of your, your sales population. And so I just, yeah, I'm I like digging into this because it's, you know, the, the ends don't all meet here. It's true. Uh,
1: I think the you know the the decline in in people achieving goals is uh, to me a representation of where the market is at. Uh, we're all you know we're in a, a bit of a. a a a boom era. So we're expecting, you know, the quotas are probably higher than they potentially should be. Uh, We've got optimistic quota setters. uh, And therefore, you know, those goals are hard to achieve for the sales organizations. Where people get it right is when they set uh, the appropriate quotas for the market opportunity that they have. And that's where you can really see the the needle move uh from the selling organization and uh you know of course there's different types of commission plans or bonus plans for different types of roles i'm not a direct seller so i'm not on one of those you know huge plans um that uh that's you know low in base and high in upside i've got a much lower upside than you know a counterpart who's a sales rep and uh, and that's because my influence and my control is a lot lower over that direct engagement. Um, so I think it's it's really important that that as organisations look at their their compensation plans, um, they think about them really aligned with their quota setting. Because if you're you know trying to to go after a market opportunity that you can't fulfil, you don't have enough sales reps to even achieve that. Then you know of course, those numbers are going to continue to decline i think uh you know as the market changes their perception on on accurate quota setting and uh and and how they score their markets, we might see those numbers change
0: yeah well I, I wonder because I mean the thing with with the c s o report is c s o insights report is is Anomaly. It's across multiple industry types, so it's not just taking into account the sort of artificial uh, high growth expectations of SaaS businesses and so on. That mm. you know that certainly influence what happens in the Valley and, and other similar tech hubs. But sure, sure. But you know, So we're saying, okay, well, that's this is somewhat normalized over multiple multiple industries. And so if that's the case, then I'm saying, well, you know, you said, well, commissions are really effective ways to to change behaviors what seems like the most fundamental behavior we need to change is just sales performance, right? Hitting quota. And it doesn't seem to be working.
1: No. And uh, if you think of uh, the the Alexander Group published their annual survey uh, and the number one problem with sales compensation plans for the last 13 years has been uh, the quota setting process. So you've got people who are being paid to design plans that are supposed to work, but they've not got any control over the factor of how how that that quota is determined, which is the key factor in how the salespeople get paid. So there's a lot of misalignment uh, between, you know, whether it's sales finance who are doing the commission plans or whether it's uh, you know a specific sales compensation team. Uh, that are misaligned to finance doing the target setting or sales operations doing the target setting. And and that's the huge barrier that needs to be overcome in order to uh, change that declining uh, airplane you described. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> well I, mean, I think certainly in you know, more in the tech-oriented businesses or tech-enabled businesses, it's seems likely that, you know, part of the problem is, you know, quota settings a top down process as opposed to a bottoms up process, mm-hmm. which yeah, you know, again, you have certain expectation, of, hey, that's the case, you know, given the the way the, the businesses are financed and and investors' expectations. But but I think that one of the things that that I've seen over decades with you know, certainly variable compensation plans is that is that you know, they basically just benefit the high achievers who are going to be high achievers in any environment. And that we don't see that they really impact sort of this, you know, middle and lower classes, as I call them, in sales. It's, you know, the the 80% that's producing 20% of revenue, if you want to use the the Pareto distribution. And I think that, that seems to be a problem. Right, the plans seem to be designed for the high achievers as opposed to really changing the behaviors of, you know, if you move to take your middle 50% of sellers and they all improved 5%. You have a much bigger impact corporate wide on that than you know having your top guys improve 5 to 10%.
1: 100% and and that that to me comes down to the expectation setting. If you if you take the the SaaS market out of it and you look at an industry, say, like retail, uh, where we're all moving our, um, our buying behaviors as consumers more away from the online, uh, from, the, from the brick and mortar to, to the online presence, you know, who's getting credit there? <laughs> no one. Uh, the marketing team, most likely. Um, so, if you're simply setting your quotas as a top-down year-over-year growth metric, then you're going to continue to see the decline uh, in your reps achieving that attainment when your whole business is shifting from, you know, being more direct seller focused to more uh, consumer purchasing focused. Um,
0: sure, in those, so, in those in those industries, but in the main, yeah. in B two B industries, we're not seeing such a dramatic shift yet.
1: Not yet. Uh, I think we'd all love to if we could all follow the Atlassian model where people just buy with no sales force. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, <laughs> well,
0: it d- depends whether you're a salesperson or not. Yeah, <laughs> pres- precisely. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. most CFOs would disagree. I think they, you know, we're not going to see the automation of, of sales, in, in my opinion, anytime soon. Because uh, sellers have a lot of uh, value to deliver to to the buying process. Um, and to your point, it's about shifting that mighty middle. Uh, if we can move them, you know, a couple of percentage points, then the the growth investment in um, the investment in growth will will be achieved.
0: Yeah, which which. So that raises the question: Is how do you structure compensation plans to make the mighty middle move the percentage, you know, a couple percentage points or whatever that you want? And and it, to me, that seems like sort of the black hole we have. I'm out, I look at you know incentive compensation plans and say, okay, well, you know, this really <laughs> strikes me sort of like. I don't know tax reform on the federal level, right? Where we give all the tax breaks to the the top one percent, and you know the people in the middle and lower tiers that would use this money to buy something to stimulate the economy, you know, doesn't flow down to them. So it seems like we started that some of that same similar issue, if my metaphor wasn't strained too much, um, in the compensation plans.
1: Well, uh, you know, I see. I see it. Uh, I guess from a from a very different lens. In the the organisations we're working with are really transforming their their sales organisations, and and they've come to that point. They've they've had the realisation uh, that you've had, um, you know, working you know with manufacturing organisations, retailers, telcos, insurance companies, that uh, that they need to change. Uh, the way that they structure those plans and they go through uh, a sales transformation and uh, and they do change those plans and the plans uh, do work uh, in actually motivating that mighty middle but still rewarding the top performers because these top performers you know if they're bringing in you know if if you take your pareto rule again and and if they're bringing in 80 percent of the revenue then we want to keep them we want to retain them so we want to reward them. Um, but at the same time, we definitely need to make sure we look after that middle percentile because if, if I had a target of a hundred million dollars and I gave everyone a million, uh, you know, 100 sellers, a hundred sellers, a million dollar quota, it would just be nice and easy if everyone went and got it and we had no overachievers, no underachievers. We, we'd all hit target and we'd all be happy and everyone would be at a hundred percent attainment. But, uh, unfortunately you've got the high performers, you've got the, uh, those people that will blow that number out and you've got people that won't reach the number. So it's how do we design plans that accommodate the individual? Uh, something I've, uh, I've spoken with, um, a few organisations about is is getting to that level of personalised incentive plans. I don't think that the technology has allowed that to a certain point, uh, but I think as uh, compensation technology continues to to um, become more powerful, we might get to a point where every individual is on their own plan uh, and not just a different rate, really, uh, you know, their own plan that's motivating to them. And that may be you being on a bonus pool-type plan or a team-based plan and, and me being on a commission-based plan because that's how I am motivated. We take the, the element of motivation and that, that level of personalization and, uh, and we can see if that moves the needle.
0: And, I mean, that's a very interesting approach. I mean, is, is that something our companies can manage uh, you know, equity throughout that you know, in terms of having equitable plans so that people are being rewarded Similarly, for similar levels of production,
1: it's it's being able to uh, model that that scenario out for each of those uh, for those organisations, you know. B- typically, your your CFO will want to have the same target incentive budget. they They want to keep the same uh, budget pool there mm-hmm. uh, for the same for the same amount of sellers, and it's how can you play with that budget pool to motivate every single individual? And I think we're getting you know we're getting much closer in terms of technology being able to support the plan designers and and uh, you know those folks that are creating these plans to come up with various options. And it may be starting with, you know, we're starting to see companies just let you pick from a few scenarios, you know, you can choose plan A, B, C, or D based on your personal preference. And, uh, and that the economics of that work out. That if everyone achieves, a, you know, hundred percent attainment, we we all probably get paid the same. So um, it's just in, in different ways. So what so, is
0: what is this technology you're referring to that that's developing that will enable companies to personalize you know, center plans?
1: Yeah. So uh, at, here at Anaplan, we have uh, a a technology that is a cloud-based in-memory uh, platform that uh, really allows you to get very granular, uh, both in your quota setting and in your compensation planning processes. And we have companies that are modeling out those scenarios and then pushing those plans live and, uh, and being able to change those plans quickly uh, based on the level of visibility of whether they're working or not. Um, and we're seeing organizations really change the way and going through that sales transformation and
0: succeeding. So, when you say transformation, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I don't want to be a skeptic, but <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, data is obviously sort of sparse when it comes to some of these things, and so you know, you talked before. You'd mentioned in preparation for this that you know the sort of three keys to a, uh, an effective variable compensation plan. Why don't we sort of? You know, talk about what those are and, and how they relate to this transformation that takes place.
1: Yeah, so I think um, the, the keys of, of actually having an effective uh, compensation plan are firstly making it really simple to understand and communicate with your sellers. If, uh, if you send me a plan document that confuses the hell out of me, it's really going to be difficult for me to, to go and change my behavior. So it has to be simple and clear uh, in order to uh, actually motivate me as a seller to change my behavior towards what that plan is designed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the other factor is understanding your corporate goals and making sure that they're represented in the plan, but also that they're represented in the quota. So if you're driving me to sell product A over product B – Make sure I've got a higher quota for product eh? A, <laughs> if 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 the economics of that work out, if it's a higher based product and you know it's a high volume product, mm-hmm. I I, I want to make sure that that's there, and <clears throat> every role should have their own plan. So as I alluded to before, I am on a different plan in my role than uh, someone in in our direct selling organisation uh, has, and. Moving that in 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 the I guess the future of sales compensation would be then starting to make sure that we can provide options for let's say me to choose whether I'm on a team based plan or a you know personal based plan and and allowing that individual to to actually choose what type of plan they want to be on. Mm-hmm. So they would be my my
0: three keys. Okay. I mean, all this can be done manually, right? Uh,
1: it it can, but it doesn't scale. So you you can you can leverage Excel, but uh, if you then want to create a new plan and have that calculate through thousands of sellers, you've probably got to change uh, you know columns in a spreadsheet for a week uh, to to actually make that work. Uh, the important aspect is being able to uh, respond to to the needs quickly and uh, being able to make changes. Whether that's a new plan, a new contest, a new SPF, uh, whether that's um, getting to the level of granularity of saying, well, I'm going to set quota for every seller uh, at a product level for every one of their accounts. That's very, very hard to do in Excel mm-hmm. uh, or, or in a you know homegrown solution, uh, which is where we're seeing a lot of um appetite for our platform um, just because of the levels of granularity that it allows organizations to get to when they want to plan at those levels of granularity. We have a customer that uh, sets 1.4 million quotas uh, across uh, just roughly 3,000 sales reps and they can see their quota a- at a daily level. Wait,
0: one, uh, one 1.4 million quotas, so that means each rep is selling... Each how many, how, many, how, many, how many product categories?
1: Yeah, so there's roughly eight product categories, uh, and they get right down to the product level and uh, and and that's across all of their uh, accounts. Mm-hmm. So that trying to do that manually uh, would would take some serious investment and some some serious uh, Excel skills. I haven't met someone that uh, would be able to do that in in a, in a time frame that's adequate uh, to sure. the business.
0: So I guess one of the other questions then about that I have about the compensation, and again, it's more theoretical, but it's it's gets back to this issue of of quota. Is if so few people are making quota, on a percentage basis, does that does that mean that quota is just not a good measure of performance anymore? I mean, is there something else we should be measuring and rewarding? I mean, it's some. I mean, I think there's personally, and I've worked and implemented you know, plans that are more oriented or productivity as opposed to quota, um, you know, is there has that as quota still an effective measure of, of effectiveness of sales or whatever sort of spin you want to put on it?
1: It's a, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, a measure. It's a very good measure because it ties uh, directly to the revenue of the organization. Um, I don't think it's the only measure. Um, to your point, you know, if you're if, if you're setting a plan and you've got uh, someone that's uh, new to, to your selling organization, but they've got uh, you know, a number of factors that are working really well for them, they're, you know, they're doing all the right things, but they're not achieving quota, chances are you probably won't move them on um, because for some reason, they're, they're just not getting the deals, but you've got every confidence that that will turn around. Um, so I don't think it's the key measure, but it's a very good one um, because it, it really does get to the, to the heart of what we're trying to do, which is, you know, grow, grow the revenue of the organization or maintain the revenue of levels of an organization.
0: Well, have you not seen any other measures that, that companies use that, that can achieve the same end? Yeah, so
1: uh, productivity is a very good one. Uh, in terms of you know, are you getting the right levels of meetings? Uh, and and by levels, I mean, you know, are you meeting with the right personas in your in your buying group? Um, are you you know there's also the the tacit measures. Are you someone that is more of a you know a multiplier within the organization and you're helping other people sell, even though unfortunately, you know for whatever reason in in your territory or your account list, you know the the opportunity just isn't there. So um, productivity is a good measure, and there are some some other soft measures um, you know that are more simple kind of HR type measures that you can apply.
0: Well, I'm just curious, and sort of again, somewhat theoretical here, but it's it's something that I've spoken about with a number of guests. Is that yeah, you know, we don't measure actual productivity in sales, and from an economic standpoint, right? If you look at what how productivity is measured in the economy at large, in terms of production based on a, a unit of input, which is you know typically let's say an hour of labor, and if you really want to look at your true capacity in sales, it's based on how many dollars you can produce per hour of selling time, and if that ultimately if we t- were all. That ultimately, <laughs> yeah. that ultimately seems like a much more effective way to measure, uh, you know, the performance of a salesperson than a quota, which tends to be more of a, you know, self fulfilling prophecy.
1: True. We have customers that are measuring uh, capacity at a at a quota-based level in terms of uh, this person can carry this much quota. And, uh, you know, you see people blow that out, and therefore they're able to achieve uh, a higher rate of quota per their selling time. Um, so if you add time as, as one of the key dimensions there, I think a, a key factor in that, though, is um, – you know, if if I have a bluebird opportunity that comes in that kind of falls into my lap, I have been very unproductive in in getting there. So my value per selling time is ridiculously high, mm-hmm. but I haven't done I haven't done anything. You know, maybe I I could have stumbled onto that deal, and so it, it's not a. I don't think it's an equitable or fair measure across the organization. Well, you would see a lot of <laughs> discrepancies amongst uh, amongst you know the organizations or the the people that are really working hard but aren't achieving um, some of their goals.
0: Oh yeah, we could have a whole separate show just on that that aspect of <laughs> yeah. of you know the role of luck and and so on in sales. But I mean, the fact is, it does even out over a period of time. I mean, if somebody's really working there their account list or their territory, however you want to define it, is if they're doing what they need to do, assuming that you know, leads are equitably distributed based on those, those account assignments and so on, yeah, I think it's so what. I, mean, I, think, I think managers, and you know, I tried not to be this person when I was a VP running large sales teams, but you know, managers are the ones that get freaked out about that more than the sales do.
1: Uh, yeah I, I don't disagree I think uh, I think if we if we come back to, to you know the way that we started this conversation it will be a brave person that changes that mindset I think uh, yeah you know that the the current working methods um, you know they're in place because they have been proven to work um, you know we have seen to, to your point the CSO insights a, a decline in that but um, I think what would be interesting is dissecting that based on, you know, how quotas are set, uh, how fair and equitable those territories and regions are and, and what the, the level of, I guess, scien- science is being applied to that. You know, we've, we talked uh, about um, some of the, the marketing technology out there. If – if you know that someone's about to raise their hand and we're predicting that we've got a hot lead from from much of that technology, should we change the quota? Should we make it higher because we know that there's going to be a lead coming in to this person's patch and, and they should be able to close that because they're in a ready-to-buy mode? Um, I think... Uh, no, I, I, think I, think that, a... I think
0: that's overthinking it. <laughs> I think that's part of the issue, right? As is, is managers... Like Believe me, I've been in that role multiple times. I mean, it's it just, we overthink it. And I think we're underthinking some things, which is especially in, in certain areas of the tech segment, is that, yeah, it, it works, but there's no data whatsoever that says that it's even close to being optimized. In fact, you could make the argument that you know, attainment within those segments is, is really much lower than it should be, even though it works. To what it does right now? Yeah,
1: I I, I, I don't have the magic answers.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, that's why that's why we're here. Not that we expect the magic answers, but yeah, just to uh, have the conversations and surface issues and and uh, you know, hopefully provide some insights for people and give them something to think about and chew on. So, Ron, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but love to have you back and we'll continue talking about this. So, tell folks how they can find out more about AnaPlan and connect with you.
1: Sure. Uh, to find out more about Anaplan, just uh, simply go to anaplan.com. Uh, you'll find our, our platform capabilities and the types of solutions we offer on the website. And uh, you can connect with me on Twitter, uh, at Rowan Tonkin.
0: Uh, no spaces, just all one word. Yeah, and that's uh, Anaplan as A-N-A-P-L-A-N. So, excellent. Well, Rowan, thank you very much for being on and Thanks again for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Andy.
0: All right. And friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Make sure you come back Join us again for our next episode of Accelerate. Until then, appreciate if you get a chance go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review for this podcast. Really appreciate uh, your feedback and want to hear what we can do to make this an even better experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.